It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Today is Thursday, September 1st, and this is Celtic Speed on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider of audio-video coverage of the Boston Celtics. I'm Adam Kaufman, episode 476, featuring the Celtics blogs and spot tracks. Keith Smith is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus. What's up, everyone? New edition of Celtics Beat. We got a lot to get into, but first and foremost, Adam Kaufman, Evan Valenti, Keith Smith, as we mentioned off the top of the show, or if you're joining us for just the video version, you're hearing it for the first time and seeing all of us. So, hi, Keith, we got to begin with this. Basketball, next month, now that we can say that, we're into September, we can say it next month, the NBA returns. How exciting. Yeah, I, I can't wait. It's uh, re- real games next month. We're we're you know roughly a month and a half away now. So yeah, I can't can't wait. We've even got preseason games at the end of this month. Um, we've got a mm-hmm. couple uh, preseason games working in. So and then to tide us over until then, we got Eurobasket. So uh, I'll take it. Where we've got uh, you know hoops world never stops all the way straight through. You had to mention Euro hoops and just take this show down a a a, a poor rabbit hole right out of the chute. All right, we so Here. this this is. This before, is you, big... before you jump on that, did you see Jokic's turnaround fadeaway one-legged three-pointer from the corner? No, but that like, sounds like, like a Mad Libs sort of situation. Over Giannis. <laughs> I cannot believe – he's the most skilled guy in the league, in my opinion. He is absolutely absurd. And what he did in that game – you'll find a clip, Kaufman. It's like it's the Dirk shot from three-point range, like over the best defender in basketball. Will, will you go with that, Keith? Is, is is the Joker the most skilled player? Not necessarily the best player, the most skilled yeah, I think player. He might be. Yeah, probably between hey, everything he can do on the offensive end of the floor. Yeah, I I think that's probably fair. He's uh it, he's a delight to watch. I I absolutely love Joker for but fully supported him as being uh, the MVP once again last year after doing what he did on that team with so little around him. Obviously, mm-hmm. but we're hoping. Probably not this year. I'll do respect to Jason Tatum. We're hoping that an MVP is uh, is coming down the pike for him at some point. I, again, I don't think it's going to be this year, but I, I do believe he's going to win it. But we'll talk about Tatum later. What we have to begin with is, you know, he's he's the head of the snake. He's the superstar, or at least the budding superstar of this team and, and within this league. The back end of the rotation, however, Danilo Gallinari, one of the uh, the bigger off-season additions for this team. Malcolm Brogdon is the, the 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 biggest one, so let's not uh you know over-inflate the importance of of Danilo Gallinari as as admittedly I tend to do from time to time and I get a lot of hell for it over text message from uh, some other people who have appeared on this show from time to time, but this time last week when we recorded a show it was kind of Keith like all is right in the world. You know, we we had just learned that the Nets are not going to deal Kevin Durant He's going back there with his tail between his legs and Jalen Brown is going to remain a Celtic. And this is the deepest team in the league. And they're the odds on NBA favorites and every, all is right in the world and Kumbaya and all of that. And then within like a day, we find out over the weekend. So two days, Danilo Gallinari, while playing in a World Cup qualifier, the FIBA tournament for his uh, Italian national team, suffers what at least, I mean, if you were watching or saw the highlights on Twitter. I don't know how many people were out there watching it live. But if you saw what happened to that left knee, your instant reaction was, well, crap. Just lost to Nilo Gallinari for the season. The ACL is a mess. The MCL is a mess. This guy is done. See you next season. Fortunately, 
that doesn't appear to be the case. The ACL's intact, the MCL's intact. It's it's a torn meniscus. What we do not know for Gallinari is how long he is going to be out. And there are a lot of different ways. You've been tweeting up a storm about this, or at least you were after the injury. There are a lot of different ways this could unfold in terms of how long Danilo Gallinari is going to be absent for the Celtics. So what's your read on this as we all attempt to play, you know, podcast doctors here? Yeah, I think uh, optimistically, we hope Gallo is out somewhere in that four to eight week range. And that probably given his age and where the Celtics are hoping to go, I would say whatever the initial timeline is, I would lean towards the longer side. Mm -hmm. Uh, They're they're certainly probably not going to bring him back any earlier than they need to. But I think Celtics fans, because of what happened with Rob Williams being out four weeks to the day, um, that's colored there. Well, that's all it is. It's a month. It'll be back and it'll be fine. And because I mean, I've even had people jump in my mentions and be like, well, this just happened now. You should be ready to go opening night. And it's like, <laughs> it's, you know, thankfully a handful of the, the actual doctors who, who, uh, you know, us, hang out in sports Twitter and educate all of us on these injuries have come forward and been like, well, hold on. Like meniscus tears, they're all over the board. Um, some guys are back quick. Um, I don't even know that I would even hold Rob up as the uh, shining example based on how we saw him kind of just kind of limping along at for right. long portions of the playoffs. I think ideally if they weren't chasing a title, he would have stayed out longer until you know, he was really yeah. fully ready. Um, but well, so, yeah, something, so, not to cut you off, but something sure. you've left out too is, you know, as you said, the meniscus tears are all across the board. It's not just the, the level of the tear, but it's the type of treatment. Exactly. Like Rob, Rob Williams, you know, did this surgical trim that allowed him to come back faster. If Gallinari, and and of course, you know, because he wanted to help the team win a championship, like that was the method he went with. If he did it in the offseason, might have chosen a different method because, Mm -hmm. again, the the return wasn't as, the impetus wasn't as significant. So if Gallinari, age and everything as you highlighted, come into play and wants to be freshest down the stretch, he could look at it and say, I just want to have a full repair. If he has a full repair, that extends things for however long, Absolutely. obviously, but he's out yep. for months. It's not just like see in October or November. Yeah, and, and the guy I point to, just because it happened, it's still ongoing. Lonzo Ball had a meniscus injury. Um, I'm not entirely sure what level of tear he had or what level of repair, but the initial timeline the Bulls gave was four to six weeks, and then he never came back last season and they're even talking about him maybe not being ready to start this coming season so you're talking this is months and months later so let's see where this goes i mean at the very least let's all be very thankful it's not a retear of his acl because he Mm -hmm. already tore that left acl once a retear of it that might have been it we may have never seen him play a a game in a celtics uniform it might have been completely done and you know off we go that that seems like there's optimism coming out of Italy, but as many folks around the league have cautioned is let's wait till he gets back here and the Celtics doctors like see him and decide really where things should go. But we're starting to hear maybe some point in November. And if that's the case, that means he's going to miss you know, anywhere from two weeks to four weeks of the regular season. And that's not the end of the world. They, they've got plenty of depth. They should be able to get by and, and be fine without him. As long as they can get him back, I would say, back and fully in whatever role they envisioned for him around the first of the year. I think that's the best case um, scenario. Be ready to go. That gives them plenty of time to get fully up to speed and off, off we're going in into the playoffs. And then also give them a month and a half look of, all right, what does this team actually look like? What do we need to do if we need to make trades or anything like that? Before we get into the, how do the Celtics cope and what do they do to fill his absence? There's a lot of different stuff that we can talk about with, with, you know, relation to that, including of course, the Carmelo Anthony rumors that are floating around out there right now that we will talk about, but could this, I I mentioned this before, Keith, could this be a blessing in disguise, you know, just given his age and, you know, I, I like, you'd love to, it's exciting. You want to see your new additions out there on day one, but when you talk about regular season games versus playoff games and Gallinari's role in, in, in the rotation, he's a back end of the rotation guy to begin with. He's not a guy who's going to be out there in crunch time. Obviously he's not much of a defender. He's just trying to give you that, that spark off the bench. Some of those buckets off the bench. Could this be a blessing in that 
second half of the season, assuming that everything that you just talked about plays out, and then into the playoffs in the matchups where he makes sense, because that's not every single team, that he's just at his freshest and at his best, and and that could work out maybe better for the Celtics versus him playing in 70 games this year. Yeah, provided the knee is sound and stable, it absolutely could. I was not in love with the idea of you know him at his age coming off of a month-long stretch of playing in uh, Eurobasket warm-up games, then FIBA World Cup qualifiers, then in Eurobasket, then right into training camp. There was going to be pro- – because Italy was not expected to go super deep in a Eurobasket, but there was only going to be probably about a week, maybe two-week rest period. And for him – you get a factor in that's less because he's got to travel back to the States, get settled, go, and you're right into training camp. And at his age, I was not thrilled about that. I had assumed we were probably going to see Danilo Gallinari maybe make cameo appearances in the preseason. And then early regular season games probably have a very limited role uh, early on, just as it's, again, he's had a very long and busy summer. Now, I think it probably plays out very similarly just for very different reasons. So yeah, you absolutely could get to a point where, you know what, he's ready to go. And it almost becomes like a, I don't want to say mid season, but like a, a, one of those early season trades where it's mm-hmm. like, Hey, we're getting this guy in because that, that would be, be my assumption. But yeah, it's uh it's, it's one of those things. I do want to say this too, for all the people out there who screamed and yelled about like, he shouldn't have been playing in this. He's, you know, he's already represented Italy. Get out of here. That's ridiculous. You can't then scream about why guys won't represent the United States. Like I get it when somebody like LeBron's like, look, I've done it five or six times. I also get it when someone like LeBron is like, yeah, I can only represent my country so many times around. And these, these and people yelling about who it's not even the Olympics. It's not how it works. This Eurobasket is massively important for these countries. He was also going to be playing at home in, in it as well. So I, I, there's no fault at all for him, you know, being out there and playing. It's just kind of one of those things where it happens, right? Injuries happen and it sucks that it happened to one of the Celtics and a new Celtic, but you know, it is what it is. And, you know, hopefully it'll all be, you know, fine in the, the end when it all comes together, when it, whenever that is. Can I have my hand like, I don't want to press the panic button, obviously, because it's September. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have it hovering over the panic button just for a second. Cause I just want to lay out like this scenario here given, and this is just some of it is based in like karma and vibes and all that stuff. And some of it's based in real history and facts. So there's got to, to follow me on this journey, if you will. Okay. Not great that one of what I would consider a decent bench piece for you who's going to be important in a few different ways. One, for scoring off the bench. Two, to kind of regulate the health a little bit and, and take some mileage off Al Horford and Rob Williams and, and you know, Jalen and Jason a little bit. Again, what we can gather so far is, you know, Gal is going to be a guy coming off the bench who's going to spell some wing guys and some big guys throughout the regular season. Um, he's going to, his role is going to be very interesting. I'm very excited to see it. You know, as a fellow Italian, to have Gal on the team is really great. Um, but, you know, given the Celtics history over the years since, you know, the Isaiah Thomas injury and, and him playing through that, Boston has not had the best injury luck of any team. OK, they've had some tough, tough breaks, uh, both uh, pun intended and not intended there. Um, but having Gallo, as Keith said, coming off, you know, some major knee injuries in the past, including the ACL that he tore that same leg that he tore his uh, meniscus on. You have Rob Williams coming off a torn meniscus. We have Al Horford, uh, older, playing a lot of minutes last year. Uh, you have, you know, Tatum and Brown, who have, you know, played a lot of minutes over the past couple of years. Guys have been mostly durable, but, you know, for the most part, um, you, you never know. But those guys have played a lot, and, you know, injuries happen all the time. I'm just saying – it's not great that we're here, in, not even in the preseason. We're in the pre-preseason, and one of the Celtics' like top ten guys has sort of a major knee injury here that we're going to have to monitor throughout the regular season, along with Malcolm Brogdon, Al Horford, uh, Rob Williams. You're going to try and keep the minutes of Tatum and Brown down in the regular season. Like, not a great start, not ideal. And I just would love brown and smart aren't, aren't routinely healthy either don't well, forget yeah, about smart, that. and smart always gets hurt in the preseason diving after a ball he shouldn't be diving after because that's just the way marcus doesn't have he's either 100 percent or not in the floor oh yeah ball no, in a china shop there's no in between which i appreciate 
I'm just pointing out that it's just not awesome. Just given <laughs> all the, the past history here to have Boston, a team that's going to have to monitor health going forward in the regular season, why the depth of the team is really, really important to have this happen right now. Now, look, we saw it with Rob. Rob, and I, th- I think we all can agree, Rob probably came back a little too early to try and push it through the playoffs, and he did a phenomenal job. I love Rob Williams uh, for life for that. Um, but, like, I, I would be totally fine, and Keith, you kind of laid it out for us here, if if – if Gallo took a little extra time, just let's just make sure here that he's going to be okay. Because as we saw last season, the Celtics can have the worst first half of the year, right? Completely suck. And then turn it around as soon as we hit January, February, end up in a really good spot and go to the NBA Finals. So we have that history too. But Adam, I'm just, I'm just, maybe I'm going a little too far here. Maybe I'm going a little too far, but I have my, my, my hint. If the panic button were here, because the way the camera's set up, the panic button's here. I'm hanging out a little bit right here, right now, just given the past history. Am I a little, am I a little, a little too nervous? Probably a little too nervous. I mean, I, I think there's a range of, uh, of fear and concern. Like, I, I don't probably, well, what you're talking about isn't just about Gallinari. It's, it's team wide health. And I think that is a very fair, legitimate concern. I've been talking about that since the end of last season with respect to Horford and his age and Rob Williams and those two and, and just the big situation in I particular. I forgot Brogdon too, by the way. Do she throw yeah. Malcolm Brogdon in there? Oh, you, you mentioned him. You oh, mentioned him. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I, I've been on, on the Celtics need a, a big, they can rely on tra- just as depth, you know, train for however long. So that's, that's not new, obviously, as a, as a talking point for this show. I don't know that my panic meter is as high as yours because the the funny thing, Keith, and I'm sure you remember this from when the Celtics signed Gallinari in the first place, is there were a lot of people, I'm one of them, Evan with a, a little bit of Valenti bias is one of them as well, but there were a lot of people that was that that were just, this is great, like Danilo Gallinari to Boston, size and scoring off the bench, they've needed this. and then But there there's certainly a segment of people out there, even Celtics fans, not just NBA fans, that said, I mean, how much does this guy actually help you? We're talking about the ninth or 10th guy on your roster. His presence isn't that big a deal. Therefore, his injury isn't that big a deal. So how do you come down on all of this? Yeah, I, I think it's if this happened in March, in just a you know regular season game, and it was like, all right, he's going to be out for a big chunk of the play. It's almost, let's say it happened on the same timeline as Rob did. I would basically say, I think they're fine. Like, I think, think they'll be okay. It's because I didn't see him playing a major role in a lot of playoff series anyway. I think by the time the playoffs roll around, he's probably 10, maybe 15 minute a night guy. You just, even the very best teams, they caught their rotations back the deeper you go into the playoffs. In some ways, as weird as this may sound, I think it's worse that it's happening now because you're just starting behind the eight ball. I I was really hoping that they were going to start the season and all year long, Al Horford didn't touch 30 minutes in a game. Never mind 30 minutes per game, but 30 minutes in a game. Like I, I just didn't, didn't even want him playing 30 in a game. I wanted Rob capped out 30, 32 minutes per game at most. Um, Tatum and Brown, bring those numbers down. 32 to 35 minutes versus 35 to 38 and regularly pushing over 40, bring those down. And the challenge is as the roster is constructed right now, they they just don't have the ability to do that. It's going to be, someone needs to step forward. I know we're going to talk about it later. Maybe you got to sign somebody else and go in a, go, go in that direction, but it's just going to be a little bit harder for the, for the start. And I will, you know, fight on top of that hill. I will die on that hill that, the single biggest problem they had in the NBA finals, they completely ran out of gas as a collective. I know some guys looked fine, but that's the furthest any of them have played. I'm not making any excuses. It's just, it happened. And the number of these players who have talked about openly, we needed to add depth. We did it. I need to be better. My condition needs to be better. Jason Tatum recently talking about, I'm doing a lot more to try to make sure I'm stronger all the way through the season because the goal is, Play deep into June and try to win a championship. And I, and I think they realized, all right, we weren't quite ready for that. 
they went out and addressed the personnel part of it. Now it was, all right, let's try to keep this. But part of that is not playing a ton of minutes in October, November, and December. And I just don't know that they're going to get there because while their depth is good one through 10, it's not good at all 11 through 17. And that's fine when you get to the postseason. But we got six months to go before we even get there. And that's where it's just troublesome that you're starting out this way. But, you know, it's not like all of a sudden I think like, well, you know, maybe it'll be at best fourth in the conference. I don't think it's anything like that. I just think you're putting minutes load on guys. You would much rather not have to at this point in the regular season. Can I just, this is, I'm sorry, you brought something up. I wasn't even thinking about it. It's relatively off topic. I mean, it's related to what you were just talking about, but it's off topic in terms of like Gallinari. This load management thing in the NBA and and just sort of where we're at in, in 2022 and beyond, because it's going to continue and it's been going on for years and we've obviously been trending in this direction. So this isn't, we're making it about Tatum and Brown and the Celtics. You know, it's not about them. It's league wide, but I'm just, I'm going to make it about them for the time being. These are two young guys in their mid twenties, you know, entering their primes. Tatum isn't even entering his prime yet. He's so young. And you look at, you know, I, I just pulled up some stats for my own edification. Jason Tatum averaged a career high last year, 35.9. His career average is 33, but last year averaged 35.9. He's again, 24 years old. Jalen Brown averaged 33.6, basically where he's been the last few years. His career average isn't even 30, but obviously his first couple of years, he didn't play as much. If I'm looking at someone like LeBron James, when he was in his 20s, he's playing you know, 40 to 42 minutes a game. His career average even still is 38. He played 37 last year, albeit in limited time. You know, but all the way through his, like, second stint with the Cavs as he joined the Lakers, he's at 37, 38, 39 minutes. Michael Jordan, different era, averaged 38 minutes a game. In his first several years, was right around 40. On through to, you know, even like when he retired the second or the, you know, the from the Bulls the second time before he came back with the Wizards, 38, 39 minutes a game. All of that is just building up to like, are these guys, and I don't mean Tatum and, and, and Brown specifically when I say these guys, because this is not them. It's the directive from management and coaching and medical staff and all of that. So I'm saying these guys, but I'm really, I mean, organizations, are these guys soft? Like, are they too soft in terms of what should be expected of them and the whole run out of gas thing at the end? And Tatum, that was a little bit different last year. There was a lot of preseason stuff, Olympics and all of that. But but should expectations be higher? Because obviously at a certain point in time, not that long ago, when you look at a guy like LeBron, expectations were higher. Like, we're talking about these guys not playing 34 minutes a game. Like, God forbid Tatum and Brown play 35 minutes a game. I get what you're saying with Al Horford, and I agree with it on Al Horford, because Al Horford's 100 years old. Tatum <laughs> is 24. Like, what are we talking about here? So, a couple things there. One is I would not use as my comparison points LeBron James and Michael Jordan. Those are arguably the top two players in NBA history. I get right? it. I, 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 I don't I think do Tatum and Brown are quite there. No, um, I, I, I'm just talking about minutes load, but I, I get that. Sure, But in, in LeBron is, I mean, I'm still not convinced he's a human. I think he might have <laughs> been sent from the future to, you know, protect us from the Terminators. And he's just killing time until that happens. Do you um, want to give me a random name? Like a more random, like a, a perennial all-star who's not an all-time great, even though Tatum obviously could well, be an all-time great? Where I go back to is, like, I look at, in, in, in a, it's not a great comp, um, but I look at a guy, my favorite all-time player, Larry Bird. And I'm not saying they're on that level either. But Bird... Coming off injuries, it was like, nope, you play 40-plus minutes a game. Same 38-minute average, by and, the way. And when was Bird's career over? 12 years in. He was done. Done and, and beyond. I couldn't move the last couple of years, right? Just wasn't the same player. So still could get it done because he was smarter than everybody else and he could still shoot, but couldn't move. He's, he's a much, much different player. But look at a guy like Allen Iverson. By the end of his career, couldn't do anything. Couldn't move. Guy like Chris Webber, by the end of his career, awful, right? Just was not the same player. Um, even you know, start looking at guys like 
Iverson averaged 41, by the way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was regularly led the league. If you're on basketball reference, yeah. probably almost his minute totals are probably black almost every thing, which means he led the league, right? It's bolded in black that right. he, he was the league leader in, in minutes. So just that's the thing. I think the biggest thing we've learned is why? What, what, what is the goal, <laughs> right? The goal is to raise the banner, right? To put banner 18 up. It's not to run these guys out there. And I, now I'm speaking now from, I'm splitting the difference, right? The way teams feel hundred, we're never going to change this. This is way out of the box and it's going to be, unless the NBA drastically collectively agrees with the players union of guys going to play more, then we'll see it. But what's going to happen is if it turns into load management becomes you got to play every game that you're healthy to play, you're going to see the minute totals go even lower. You're going to see regular. It'll be 30. We'll become the new 40, right? It'll be, you know, instead of, uh, you know, the way I remember my mom back in the day saying 30 is the new 40, you know, it's <laughs> that'll be what it'll be with minutes, right? It'll be 30 is the new 40 because it'll be, all right, if they get to play every game, well, we're just not going to run them out there very long. I think load management is more impactful. And if you talk to players, it becomes more impactful with, Give me a whole night off versus a half a night of playing time because then I don't warm up the same. I don't get all you know geared up to go. I don't do all the same stuff. I don't have the same recovery post game and all that. So I think that's now that's tough because, you know, LeBron James comes to Orlando once a year. He sits that game out because that's the magic. I can sit it out. You don't see them. That's where people get upset. But I think the minutes conversation, it's more of a totality of it when you start looking at it and and in a case like Jason Tatum I want Jason Tatum to be great 10 more years from now you know I want to still see Jason Tatum at the peak of his power 10 years from now and hopefully with multiple more championship banners you know that he helped hang and if that means play him less minutes yeah bring his minutes down because I know um you you can always step it back up and that's where I think the important thing is remember a couple years this was this came up in the bubble no, if, if everybody remembers this or not, remember the box got beat by the heat and Mike Budenholzer said the year before Milwaukee took the step and won the championship. One of the things he got killed for was you're only playing Giannis 30 minutes a game. Mm-hmm. And he said, well, that's what he's played all year. Because remember that Bucks team was dominant. They, they were killing everybody. And then it was, I can't step him up to 38, 40, 45 minutes because it's too much. You're talking about adding, you know, basically adding half again the amount of minutes that he's been playing to get him up to where you want to be. And, and he got killed for it. I mean, people were destroying him for that. And I think that's the difference, right? It can't be play Jason Tatum 25 minutes a night and then come playoffs. Well, playoffs, we can go 40 because you only played 25 minutes a night. I just think just bring the minutes down a little bit. You know, just bring him down because the one thing with Tatum, outside of you know all his tremendous skill and ability, he's there every single game. He doesn't miss time. The only time he's missed time was with COVID. You know, he even you know, and then there's a couple times they've sat him out. Remember, remember that first time they sat him out at the end of that regular season game, and Brad Stevens talked about how angry Tatum was with him. <laughs> I think if you want to say they were playing the Wizards, and Tatum was like, "I've never missed a game. I've never missed a game in college, in high school. I haven't missed a game." And now you're telling me I can't play. And I was like, "Yeah, dude, we're locked into the playoffs. We don't care about this. You know, worst thing that happens is you roll an ankle here, and that's just you know." So I think, I think, but if you just bring it down a little bit. Yeah. Now, personally, yeah, they're 24, 25 years old. They play 40 minutes. Should not be the end of the world. I just want to still see them ready to go, you know, five, six, seven, eight, ten years from now. Sure. I still want them to be fully available. I think that's where it starts to add up in total. No, it's, it's a, a, a compelling wide thing, though. Just I'll, yep. I'll make my point very quickly. This oh, is I mean, look at the preseason in football. Nobody plays. Yep. It, it, it pitch limits, you know, innings limits for guys. Like, this is just the way of the world now. And mm-hmm. does it does it suck sometimes? Yeah, but at the end of the day, like Mac Jones not getting a ton of you know preseason snaps. Although this year you could probably use him with the way the offensive <laughs> line's playing. Although you don't want to get hurt back there. I'm just saying this is the trend in all of sports, maybe except for hockey because hockey guys are crazy. That so that's that, that's where we're at right now. It's more about postseason getting guys there, keeping them healthy for that particular that run instead of trying to you know, blow guys out in the regular season. That's all. I, did, it's, it's I a, just, it's a thing. 
I just read an article uh, this this week that was in the NFL, and it was if they they, they was talking about how the NFL's ultimate goal is an eighteen game regular season. Yeah, and I think we can all see they're they're baby steps to that. Mm-hmm. And they said if that happens, they the 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 guy who wrote the article said he knows multiple teams who's who already forward thinking is. We'll sit guys for two games a year. Yeah. It'll just be, you know, if we lose them, we lose them. It's not whatever it is, but you know, somebody's banged up and eh, maybe should play through it. Now nah, we're fine. And and that's, I mean, what this ultimately comes down to personal opinion, man, we are way off the rails on this one. So I'll keep it short. The, the NBA season is way too long. 82 games is we don't need it need to be 82 games long anymore. And, and, I get it. I grew up on the 80s and 90s NBA where it was play 82 games and guys getting clothesline driving to the basket. And then they were out for weeks at a time or guys, you know, were playing like crap because they could barely move or their careers again were 10 and 12 years long. I don't and want what that are you either. For, 70? Yeah. I think if they, I think ideally you would cut it down to 70 when they introduce this, whatever this in season tournament is going to be. And if teams choose, if you're the Celtics and you know what? Our goal is to win a win a real title. We don't care about it. Hey, guess what? Uh, Bruno Caboclo, you're getting the start tonight. You know, in this midseason tournament game. Great. Who cares? Doesn't matter. If you're the uh, Sacramento Kings that haven't won anything, you're like, we're going to go all out so we can have something. Great. That's good too. Just like the European soccer tournaments are. Some of them treat it really serious. Other ones are like, man, it is what it is. We'll we'll figure it out. Or we're going to treat the early rounds kind of whatever they are, and we'll figure it out. But yeah, I'd like to see them reduce down the schedule a little bit, completely eliminate the back-to-backs. I think they're doing a lot of good stuff with the travel um, Mm. where they've reduced that. But yeah, I think those are, it's, when you leave it to teams, the team's answer is going to be, we're going to sit guys. We're just not going to play them. And if it becomes, you're going to push me to play them more and you're not going to reduce the schedule. And guess what? No one's going to play major minutes because it's just not worth it. And then you're going to have people like, I just watched a game where, you know, Jason Tatum and LeBron went head to head for 15 minutes of a 48 minute game because, <laughs> you know, because they all have to play 80 games a year. So. And how will it impact the betting market? Let's tell you about our good friends at Bet Online, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports contests and events with first-to-market odds and lines as well. You can find reviews, news of every single league, including Major League Baseball, obviously NBA, NFL, NHL, combat sports, eSports, even golf, live golf even. That's in Massachusetts this weekend. Bet Online continues to be the top resource online for all pardon me your sports information from live in-game betting to of course props futures and so much more nfl season it's almost here folks 10 days away uh not even i think maybe 10 days for the patriots at this point plus 500 to win the afc east not great plus 2800 to win the conference which is bad and plus 5000 to win the super bowl which is Not at all where you want to be if you're New England and not where they've been for the better part of the last two decades. But here we are. For all things NFL uh, betting, make sure you follow betonline.ag for you can uh, bet division, conference, Super Bowl futures. As I outlined for the Pats, you can place a wager on the exact outcome within each division. You can even place a bet on uh, who's going to score the most points throughout the year. The Bills, to no surprise, who are the Super Bowl favorites, are the favorite at plus 600 to have the most points in the NFL this year. 20 more specials and... uh, Season props that are available to you right now and on Bet Online. Good partners of ours recommend you check it out. Bet Online is uh, the the best place to go as we talk about all the time. You can use your mobile phone. Encourage that you do so. That'll be legal soon enough in Massachusetts. You can join today. Make your first sports bet, folks. Use the promo code CLNS50 to receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Again, Bet Online, where the game starts. So. Let's go back. Let's let's actually get on track here. <laughs> Going back to Danilo Gallinari not being available for the team for however long it is and sort of the how do they cope. There's been a lot out there in terms of just speculating, and that's all it is, people speculating. It's all we can do as well. You could go to Sam Hauser, which actually I really like, by the way. I like the idea of actually developing somebody who can maybe be a part of your team for years to come versus going for this quick fix that I'll talk about in a second. But Sam Hauser is is logical. You know, Grant Williams obviously getting maybe a little bit more run or a little bit different run is logical. You have some of these guys that were invited in on training camp deals that haven't officially made the team yet 
could potentially be a, a solution. The Noah Vonleys and and guys like that. There's obviously Luke Cornett is going to be mentioned. Uh, small ball lineups and and just you know playing Horford at the five and and just sort of coping that way. There are a lot of different things, Keith, that you can do. You've written about it, and I know you're capable of talking about it all of it as well. But sort of the the rumor du jour, the hot talking point right now is Carmelo Anthony. And, you know, is is that appealing for the Celtics? Now, my initial instinct is, yeah, it sounds nice on paper, but it's not going to happen because, well, a variety of reasons. He's redundant to Danilo Gallinari when Gallinari does come back. And we're saying this, presuming that Gallinari is out short term. If he's out long term, that changes the conversation and makes a guy like Carmelo Anthony, obviously a little bit more appealing because, you know, he's 38. He doesn't play defense much like Gallinari, but you're not going to play him in crunch time anyway. So that aspect of things doesn't really matter. And he can give you points off the bench. Now that he's accepted his role as a reserve in recent years with the Blazers and Lakers, he shot well, he's become, you know, a good player within that role. I can see why people are advocating for it, but where it gets very complicated and you know, this as well as anybody, maybe better than most the salary impact, you know, Chris Forsberg wrote about this. I'm rambling a little bit, but I want to spit out some of these facts so that you can react. Chris Forsberg, Celtics are committed to, and I'm paraphrasing here, they're committed to a, a dozen guys right now of the 15 that they can put on their NBA roster for about $170 million, which puts them $20 million over the luxury tax line for a bill of about $45 million right now that Celtics ownership is committed to. So for all the people out there, Celtics don't spend, ownership doesn't spend, won't, not willing to pay for a contender. Well, here we are, $45 million luxury tax bill that the Celtics are staring down right now, still with the possibility of taking on more salary. And if you are actually entertaining bringing on Carmelo Anthony for all of his flaws, but for his strengths, if you're entertaining, bringing on Carmelo Anthony for, you know, people say veterans minimum, what the hell, why wouldn't you do it? He's not even making $3 million with the NBA helping out with veterans. It's not even $2 million. Sign him up, put him on the roster. He can help you out in the regular season tax bill. Keith, you're paying about $16 million to add Carmelo Anthony all in, which is why I believe this isn't even remotely likely let alone, you know, realistically feasible. But where do you come down on all things Carmelo Anthony? Yeah, it's it surprisingly, I if you we had talked about this, I don't know, two, three years ago, I'd be like, absolutely not. Get out of here, no chance. Now I'm kinda like, eh, all right. If that's the way they go, I fully get it. Um it, part of the context that I think is occasionally missed with the idea of like it's going to cost you X amount. So they have to get up to 14 players anyway. That's the league-wide minimum. You have to be at 14 players. You can go periods of time with less than that, but they're going to they're gonna break camp with a minimum of 14 guys on standard contracts. Mm-hmm. I do think it'll only be 14. I think they will leave that uh, spot open because I think they're going to be saying, we don't really need it with the two-way guys. And, and you know, the other guys will be fine, even with Gallowell. So if you got to do that anyway – it, I have no issue with spending on a guy who can actually play and maybe help you. I think the challenge comes in with if this is where Gallo's timeline becomes really, really important. Because if he's only out till the end of November or even till the end of December, probably skip it, move past, look at your internal options, play Hauser more, play Grant, change up your lineups and rotations and run. If it's Gallo, we're not sure, maybe January, but maybe February starts to stretch. And now we're well over half the season. I have no problem with going and signing Mello because I think when you are this close to winning a championship, you cannot then cheap out and say, well, we didn't do it. And then we get to June and it's guys are exhausted because of you know everything that they've had put on them all year. And maybe Gallo never makes it back or he makes it back and isn't good or whatever. And I've seen a lot of people say, well, what do you do when Gallo is healthy? You, you assume at that point, everybody's all right. Hey, I know what my role is. I'm, I'm good. And if they're not, you cut, you cut Melo if he's not happy at that point. Yeah. You could eat the salary, but it is what it is. I'm not, here to waste your wick grouse back and his partner's money. It's not my money. I'm not the one who has to write the check. So yeah, sure. Spend it. So I get it if they're, they're concerned, but I would just hope we're not going to get to a point where it's like, boy, we could really use this guy and we don't do it. And 
but it all to me comes down to timeline. If he's not going to be out very long, roll with what you got. You got enough there. Figure it out. If he's going to be out for a while, yeah, a guy like Melo could make a lot of sense because I think I think he's been a little out of sight, out of mind for Celtics fans because he's been mm. in Portland. Then he was in in Lakers, and I don't think they're watching a ton of either one of those teams. He's actually been pretty good, and as you said, he's changed his mindset. He realizes now, if I still want to play in this league, I'm a 10, 15, 20-minute-a-night role player off the bench whose job is to score. Wow, doesn't that sound an awful lot like Danilo Gallinari? Yeah, why not, right, if that's what you need him to do. I don't know, 38-year-old Carmelo Anthony, we're already nervous about some of the mileage they're going to put on. I mean, it's not nearly <laughs> the same. I'm just saying, like, counting on 30-year-old Carmelo Anthony is kind of a tough tough sell to me personally sure. when – you know, there are younger guys out there that potentially could be options. I know did they sign Denzel Valentine to uh to a somewhat deal, maybe potentially Yeah, but Denzel Valentine stinks. I know, like, but I'm just awful. saying, like, you know, <laughs> you're not it's not like Mello's gonna be lighting the world on fire either. I mean, Mello's at this particular point just really a gunner. You know, at this point with the way that last year the vibes were fixed after Joe Johnson stepped foot on the court, like maybe just go get Joe Johnson and let that, <laughs> and let that cook for a while. No, but I mean, like in, in fairness, isn't a gunner kind of what you're looking for? Like that's why people who it's were excited Gallo, about Gallinari yeah. are excited about Gallinari. Like, yeah. you know, last year for the Lakers in 69 games, Melo played 26 minutes a game, shot 44%, which is the best he had done in seven eight or eight years looking at it and he shot 38 percent from three which you know is is fairly consistent to what he does year to year so obviously he's you know where you'd like him to be and i i i just don't i agree with everything keith is saying about you know ownership hopefully not cheaping out when you're right there and you got a roster guys anyway so why not get a guy on a veteran min i just i don't see it i, I don't see yeah it i don't now. think it's going to happen yeah i yeah, I, I just don't think it's likely. Uh, and there's a robust market, you know, based on the, the reports that are out there. It's, you know, Knicks and Lakers still, the Blazers, the Rockets, the Thunder for some reason, which I, doesn't make any sense to me. But, you know, I can... The Thunder and Rockets, that's not... There's no chance that's happening. Yeah. Like, uh, throw those away. But, yeah, I mean, you have a bunch of these teams, like the Knicks, you even have the Nets, you have the Lakers. They make some of these rumored trades that are out yeah. there. They may end up with two, three roster spots still open. Sure. It is weird that we've got... But He's finding a better players. place to win a ring for Carmelo right now. Yeah. That's where that's yeah. where Boston's at, though. They're in that envious position that they weren't in last year when Patty Mills picked the Nets over the Celtics. Yep. The revolt the, the role's been reversed here. Boston's now in the in the seat where if you if you can find a, a vet out there who's looking to ring chase and maybe by playing deep in the playoffs you can chase one more contract too. Like Boston's now in an advantageous position for that. And I'm just not so – I'm not quite sure if Carmelo is the best guy to, to use there. Like, I, I'm still looking at the possibility of trying to grab a, a, some sort of big man to fill that particular, like, some vet big who's looking to just catch on so Boston can save their big man rotation a little bit. I, and, again, to do that for 38-year-old Carmelo Anthony, I'm just not totally positive that that should be the way to go. Again, Adam and I, as Q's guys, like, we're obviously – very pro Carmelo Anthony. I've been a Carmelo Anthony apologist for way too long. It just didn't work out for Melo. Guy was insanely good, but went from Denver to New York and just didn't work out. Um, I mean, we're still talking about a Hall of Famer. He just yeah, he's still to- one of the best you know scorers of his generation. You know, maybe mm-hmm. not you know the LeBron Durant level, but he's he's pretty. You know, he's, and he's always been a very underrated records, man. Too. Yeah, very good rebounder. I agree with that because he's really you know sturdy up top. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm sorry. I just have to. Is is ownership behind you running the the tax bill on? on <laughs> no, that's just that's just right now. She's she's figuring out. Yeah, she's figuring out her own tax bill currently. To be yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's just one of the, like I think there's better ways to use that particular spot that we're talking about than to go after 30 year old Carmelo. Now again, let's put that aside for a minute and let me wear a different hat. Yeah, I'm jacked up. It's like me and Gallo, like having a town on the team. This is fantastic. More Syracuse guys on, on Celtics. It's great for me. This is great for my brand. It's excellent. But I have to put an analytical hat on. Upgrade from the other mellow. May he rest in peace. Oh, (laughs) Oh, man. That's tough. Fab. Just, uh, tough one I, I and i you know i enjoyed covering fab he was kind of a fun guy to talk to um but it's not it's, much of a scholar but nice yeah guy. no that's okay so i'm at yeah. chucks a lot i'll be honest yeah. with you, but that's all right. <laughs> um you know i it's with with that spot I, again trying to convince me in a 38 carmel 38 year old carmel anthony is kind of tough and, that, and that's just 
just trying to, to see, you know, the forest through the trees a little bit. I'd like to have someone maybe a little bit younger, maybe, again, maybe the, the, the idea is more minutes to grant and then trying to get Hauser in there. Um, I'd probably be somewhat happier with that because you're at least trying to develop Hauser a little bit, at least given him a chance to maybe earn that spot. And it's not like he's going to do a whole lot, just like sit out there in the corner and just take open threes, man. It's not going to be real hard for you. So, I, again, Melo brings the experience, the veteran leadership that I think a lot of people like. I think it'd be great for a guy like Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to have his ear talk about stuff, um, especially when things don't go well. I mean, how many times in New York did it not go well for Melo and he had to handle a lot of a lot of flack yeah. from the press? So I, mm-hmm. I think having him there would be valuable in that sort of sense. Um, but, again, I'm trying to save that roster spot there for some big who's just latching on. I'm not trying to say, like, JaVale McGee, but, like, JaVale McGee type, who's the guy that can really impact winning in a, a couple of different ways, but isn't going to cost you a whole lot of money. And it's something that you desperately, desperately, desperately need. That's just my point. Yeah, I think what ultimately happens here is I think it's going to be a combination of all of the currently existing options. It's going to be Hauser plays more. I, I think whatever Eme and staff have drawn up for uh, sets that are designed around getting Gallo open jump shots, you can run the same stuff for Hauser. You're just not going to have the, all right, they switched it. Now he's going to mismatch. Can he take the guy and back him down and shoot a jumper over him? That's not going to happen. But if the, the idea is to get jump shots, you can still run that. Grant plays a little bit more. I think Luke Cornett plays a little bit more. Maybe they lean a little bit more on small ball and three-guard lineups, which then has the benefit of Pritchard getting some minutes, which right now doesn't look like he's, you know, there's no clear path to minutes for him um, with, with the offseason addition. So I, I think that's what happens is it's just a combination of stuff. But, yeah, I mean, if, if it turns into, you know, we're at Thanksgiving in the first month has not gone the way they kind of wanted to. And it's, well, we could really use something if somehow Mello's still sitting out there. I wouldn't be surprised then if there's a phone call made of like, hey, sure. what are you thinking? Like, you know, Gallo's still going to be out another month or two or whatever. You know, where, where do we go with this? But to Evan's point, they are now set up. And part of the reason why I think they're slow playing this and end of the roster stuff and why I think they're going to leave a spot open and even the spots that they fill, I think they will set up to fill with guys who are easily moved on from is they're going to be one of the teams that ring chasers are going to want to join because mm-hmm. they're going to be a team. Teams are going to look at and say, yeah, they're a title contender. And when it comes down to it at that point in the year, the money is almost always all the same. So it's, what can my role be? And are we going to win? And if I can come play a role on a winning team, yeah, let's go. So I think that's why they're not. I think it's funny. I mean, we get it all the time on Celtics blog. I get it on Twitter. Um, you know, I even have friends who are just like, why aren't they, they need to do this and go get this guy. Oh, Bruno Caboclo. What are we doing? Denzel Valentine. Why? Well, because you're not going to spend it. There's nobody to go out there and get right now. Right. And quite frankly, a handful of these veteran guys, they'd rather come a little bit later. You know, when it's not that NBA training camps are an NFL training camps are not even what NBA training camps used to be. But if I can avoid all that running and all that other stuff when I'm a you know 30 plus year old veteran. Yeah. You know what else? I'll see you at Thanksgiving. Yeah. Well, that, that, that's when I'll sign on. Maybe I'm and we'll wrap this show up in a sec, but maybe I'm just not thinking of one. It's entirely possible. I'm I'm tired. <laughs> Keith, I'll, I'll lean on you to. uh to to fill in the blank i'm just when's the like we make such a and it's the royal we but i certainly do we make such a, a a big deal about these like ring chasers joining up you know after in the buyout market mid-season and coming in and because like we all just like long for the days of like pj mm-hmm. brown and sam cassell <laughs> and all that but in recent history when's the last time one of these guys joined a team that actually played a role in helping them to a championship yeah, very few. It's you, you, it, you can really kind of almost go back to, to PJ Brown to say that was the biggest one because he, and he's a guy you pulled out of retirement. Yeah, exactly. And he had a direct impact on the team. You know, they don't win the title in 2008 if they don't have PJ Brown. But Maybe yeah, there, there's, the you got to look for guys that are already retired that have been hanging around. Yeah, that's it, right? Yeah. You know, looking for buyout guys. That's yeah. the wrong market. Now we got to yeah. switch the retire. This is why Joe Johnson, I think, is the answer. That's <laughs> right. Joe Johnson. Retired market. Yeah, there it is. Maybe Who can pull out of the big three tournament to come in and help yeah. Boston. Yeah. Ron Marshall get him back in there. Right. Um, but yeah, it's, it, it is pretty rare. I, I, so there's two things that, that I say every year at buyout season is one, one of the best pieces of advice I got from a front office executive is 
if the guy's available and everybody can sign him, there's probably a reason. Um, number one, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean he's terrible, but if you're great, you're not you're not getting bought out. If you're a great, right. still a great player. And then the second thing is we're gonna hear a million names, and I will repeat this over and over and over again. That player's more name than game. Just because you recognize the name, that doesn't mean they're any good. You know, it's like 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 I can't tell you how many people I still have screaming, like, why are the Celtics not signing Dwight Howard? Because he's not very good anymore. Like it just right. doesn't make sense for them. Like for them, what they need and what they need out of a big man, Luke Cornett is better for them right now than Dwight Howard would be. And that sounds maybe bananas to say that because it's Luke Cornett versus Dwight Howard. It's also 2022. Exactly. It's not Dwight Howard from, you know, 2005 that's defensive player of the year anymore. Like it's not, you know, we're not at that level. So that's where, you know, I, I think we start having to look at, you know, what are these guys? Like I've had a lot of people since Gallo went down be like, why aren't they taking a look at Blake Griffin? He looked really good in the playoffs. He played one half of one game in a four-game sweep. You know, LaMarcus Aldridge, I get that regularly. Why are they outside? He couldn't even get on the floor for the Nets in the second half of the season when they were looking for any big man who could do anything. He mm. couldn't play. So these, they're, they're, again, we're in September. These guys don't have a job. There's probably a reason why. There's only a couple players who can really play that don't have jobs right now. And that's because either they're being really choosy or they've got a, like Colin Sexton as a very weird contract situation. Yeah. Everybody else, it's there. There's a reason. Not saying one or two of them may not show up somewhere and end up being helpful players. Maybe they will. But if you're still looking for roster answers on September 1st, you probably didn't do enough work in July to, to answer your roster questions. Well, I wouldn't have envisioned starting off September by, uh, you know, breaking down an injury than to the ninth or 10th best player or most important player on the Celtics roster, but that's an August, September kind of show for you. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm glad we did it. We covered a lot of ground here and I think, uh, I don't know how many questions we actually answered, but we presented <laughs> a lot of arguments on both sides of the coin and see what the Celtics do from here. Again, preseason basketball, it's uh, it's not far away. We're going to have another few of these shows before it does actually get here, but it's not that far away. It's nice to see, and as Keith said, there's even preseason basketball across the NBA, not the Celtics, later on this month. So basketball is here, folks. Keith Smith, again, uh, this show is powered by betonline.ag. Go to betonline.ag today. Use the promo code CLNS50 for a 50% sign-up bonus, and uh, make sure you follow all of Keith's work, not only on Twitter, north of a hundred thousand followers as we talked about last time he was on and uh you can get him celtics blog and, and spot track the front office show that he does all the time he's uh he's everywhere tune in for his expertise evan valenti uh he's gonna go back to crunching numbers well real quick out. real quick yeah. today we haven't mentioned this time flies today is the five-year anniversary of the Kyrie hayward press conference oh man wow about to get crazy g Oh my god, five years ago. It did yeah, it, Kyrie was correct. It did get crazy. It got crazy for all the wrong reasons. It wasn't great. <laughs> it was not. It was uh it was it was pretty bad, actually. But hey, we had a time. We definitely had a time. Alright, this has been fun. On to the next Celtics beat. We'll see you later. Thanks.